Welcome back to the Daily Signal's Best of 2022 podcast series. Today is December 28th. I'm Samantha Sharis. It's been more than a year since an ISIS-K suicide bomber killed 13 U.S. service members and about 200 Afghans outside the international airport in Kabul. Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, one of the 13 service members who died, was only 20 at the time of the fatal attack. Riley's dad, Jim McCollum, joined the podcast in August to discuss the life and legacy of his son, his one-year-old granddaughter, and Riley's daughter, Levi Riley Rose, and how the Biden administration handled the exit from Afghanistan. Stay tuned for our conversation right after this. Five days a week, two episode formats, one mission. To deliver the news you care about and analysis on the biggest issues facing America. The Daily Signal podcast brings you two episodes every day in the same podcast feed. Each morning, catch interviews with policymakers, leading experts, and conservative activists as we discuss some of the greatest challenges facing our country and offer solutions for a brighter future. And every weekday at 5 p.m., we bring you the top news of the day. These are the headlines you care about. Subscribe to the Daily Signal podcast wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss out on our morning interviews or evening news. One year ago, on August 26th, an ISIS-K suicide bomber killed 13 U.S. service members and nearly 200 Afghans and wounded or injured countless others. U.S. Marine Lance Corporal Riley McCollum, 20, was one of the 13 service members killed, and his dad, Jim McCollum, joins the show today to discuss his son's life and legacy. Jim, thank you so much for joining us today. Absolutely. Thank you for reaching out and having me on. Of course. Now, first and foremost, tell us a little bit about Riley. What was he like? Um, I love that question. Um, it's so hard to wrap him up in a, in a quick answer. He was fun. He was uh, he was genuine, real. He had a huge heart, very compassionate. But you had to know him to see that side of him because he was also very abrasive. He was all boy. Um, he was a wrestler from about four years old on. So uh, just that, that toughness, that mental toughness, and kind of closed off. So it's just a unique kid, very intelligent. Um, once you were in his circle and you were a friend, you were a friend for life. He was, he was, uh, he was a solid kid. Did Riley always want to be a Marine? Why did he sign up when he did right after high school? He did. In fact, we have pictures of him at about three years old, in a, two or three, in a diaper, in his sister's boots, no pants, with his gun and his dog out, you know, playing Army, Marine, whatever, protecting the family. Um, just loved it. He was very fascinated with the military his whole life. And I tried to join the Marines right after the invasion of Kuwait and uh, met, uh, permanently disqualified for a medical condition. But Riley knew that story and he knew how passionate I was and how patriotic I was. And the Marines have always been the branch that I just admired the most. And from a young age, he just kind of he fed off that, and it kind of uh, shaped what he what his interests were, and and you know not not even knowing, we look at it now, and we could see that that's that's the direction that he was taken. He absolutely loved history. He knew just about every battle, skirmish, and war that we've ever been in. He could tell you who the president was, the generals, um, what weapons were used. It, it was fascinating. And then on his 18th birthday, I got a call. I was at work, and. Uh, 
Yeah, he was still in school. Dad, I need you to come in and sign some papers. I'm joining the Marines. Um, and if I might add another one, it was never, I hope I become a Marine. I want to be a Marine. He always said from a young age on, I'm going to be a Marine. That was his, that was his mission. He wanted to be a Marine. Wow, that is such a great story. And, you know, what was what was Riley hoping to do after his military service or, or afterward? He wanted to, if he didn't make a career out of it, which I was really trying to push him, man, you know, you're, you're retired at 38, dude, <laughs> and you can do anything you want. Um, but he wanted to re-enlist one more time, and then he wanted to be a history teacher and a wrestling coach. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. It's been one year since the U.S. left. What are your thoughts on how President Biden managed the U.S. withdrawal and the criticism of his actions that came later? I didn't pay much attention to the criticism. As it was unfolding and as it happened, uh, Riley was still in Jordan at the time when things really started to fall apart in Afghanistan. And my personal opinion is the way we did it was just completely wrong. It was everything was fumbled. Every step was given up the airport, the air, you know, the, the base, um, the, the weaponry, just so many things that could have been done differently. And it's easy to armchair quarterback, you know, after the fact or sitting on your couch. But there were just so many things that were done so poorly. And. You know, I've said this for, for many years, When even when uh, President Trump was talking about the withdrawal, not knowing how his would have looked. We had to leave a presence. You can't go into a country for 20 years, change their culture. Women that were now 18, 20 years old knew freedom. They had a little taste of that, and then it was just ripped right out from under them. If we were going to leave, we should have left 18 years ago, if we were going to leave like that. Um you know, I, and I bounce back and forth on the political side of things. I'm, you know, you can't blame, I can't blame any one person for the death of my son or the 13, but just the way everything happened um, and leaving so much ammunition and weaponry and, and I mean, millions of dollars, um, it, it just, it was, it was fumbled. It was, mm-hmm. it was, uh, in my mind, it was an absolute atrocity. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and one year later, um, many people throughout the country and throughout the world are remembering exactly what happened, especially on the 26th of August when that attack happened at Kabul. Do you know when Riley arrived at the airport? Are you able to share any details about what he was doing in the hours before and, and leading up to the attack? To the best of my knowledge, yesterday was the day that they they left Jordan and flew into Afghanistan. And then we had no contact with him, my daughters and I. I believe Gigi talked to him one time the day before on August 25th, and he had a cold or allergies, and he said he was just absolutely exhausted. Uh, but that's, that is the only, the only information we had. We did get a phone call from uh, all the, the parents of the Marines that were there. We were all in a, like a, a chat basically together and we, we received a phone call um, from the Marines and kind of let us know what was going on, what the, what was expected. Um, obviously it was a hostile uh, situation and, you know, we were told there would be no contact. That was a, exactly a week before the 26th. So that would have been on the 19th. 
And then, you know, just kind of watching things unfold on news and trying not to not to think about it too much and not to worry. Um, it's stressful that, you know, I never in my wildest dreams imagined this, you know, this kid from Jackson, Wyoming, little tiny pocket in northwest corner of Wyoming would be would be one of the casualties. And you talked about some of the uh, other Marines that Riley was with. Have you kept in contact with any of the families uh, that also lost, you know, sons and daughters in the attack? Absolutely. I've actually become friends with, with the majority of them. We kind of lean on each other a little bit and definitely, you know, check in on each other, see how see how everybody's doing and try to meet up as often as we can. It's family now, you know. It's it's beyond just someone we know. They're they're definitely family. And have you been able to uh, keep in touch with anyone from the Biden administration or the Pentagon? Have they, you know, what was the extent to which they reached out um, to you and to uh, Riley's wife, Gigi, after the accident? Absolutely nothing. We've we've received nothing. After Dover, there might have been, I think I got a, a letter uh, from the Pentagon um, there might have been one or two letters immediately after, but other than that, there's been absolutely nothing. And has that been the same with the other uh, families that you have have come to know and, and, you know, that you were just describing? To the best of my knowledge, yes. Wow. Um, there, there hasn't been any, any follow-up, any, any sincere reaching out or anything. To the best of my knowledge, almost a year later, their names have still not been spoken. Um, I know Pelosi... Uh, wouldn't allow it on the floor. She refused to let the names be spoken. And to the best of my knowledge, President Biden has not said any of their names, which is really disappointing. And speaking of President Biden, if you could talk to him about his leadership in leaving Afghanistan and the results, what would you say to him? I don't know. I, I, I would uh, I probably wouldn't even entertain that conversation. Um, I'm highly disappointed. You know, if you if you could sit down and have a discussion and and know that it was sincere and that somebody was going to listen to you, it would be different. But so far, the government has they've been less than honest with me, and it's all lip service and and just standard routine. They're just going through the motions, and I understand this happens a lot. You know, we've lost a lot of Marines and soldiers and sailors in in the last twenty years. So it's something that is fairly repetitive to them, but it's not repetitive to us. This is brand new. But there there has been absolutely zero sincerity in anything that they've done for us or said to us. Now, I want to shift a little bit to um, what Riley would have come home to. Uh, Riley was going to be a father. His wife, Gigi, actually gave birth about a month after uh, the attack to a baby girl, uh, Levi Riley Rose. Um, how are Gigi and Levi doing? Um, can you tell us a little bit about uh, your granddaughter? Oh, absolutely. I love that kid. Um, <laughs> I, I look at her and I see Riley. I see Riley as the as the boy, and I see Riley as the man in her face, and it is so it's so cool to see, and she's absolutely beautiful. Um, yeah, she was born 18 days after Riley died. Um, we flew out the the day after she was born. Uh, she she was almost born in Wyoming. Wow. She ended up. They made it back to California just in time to have the baby. So. Uh, 
we flew out to Camp Pendleton to be with Gigi and, and meet the granddaughter for the first time. And uh, we were also there uh, when the 2-1 came back. So that was really, that whole week was a really special week for me. I got to see Riley's fellow Marines come come home, which was pretty cool. Yeah, Gigi, for a 21-year-old girl to be put in the position that she is, a brand-new mom, and make such life, altering life-changing decisions the girl is solid um i'm I'm extremely proud of her riley definitely picked a a wonderful partner in life um she has some you know days are rough there's constant reminders um my daughters go through the same thing but you know it's different her i think her days are uh we can't understand how rough her days are um but she she's doing well. Um, she left California and had she just picked a place on a map and said, "I got to get away from from where everybody knows me and just disappear so I can figure out what I'm going to do with my life." So uh, she she's doing that and she's doing well. I'm actually going to see her in a couple weeks, so um, pretty excited about that. Um, yeah, the the last time that they were together, uh, Riley and Gigi were at the house in Wyoming, and we were talking about the future and where we live is extremely expensive. Um, so Riley was looking at other places in Wyoming or possibly Montana is where he wanted to go to school and, you know, become a history teacher and, and wrestle. He wanted, he wanted the mountain life and, you know, he wanted to have horses and, you know, uh, live that lifestyle. So he was trying to figure out where, where that good place might be. How did, uh, Riley and Gigi meet and how long were they together? a little over a year, I think they were together and there was a, a jewelry store where Gigi worked. It was really close to a movie theater, you know, where all the Marines would go and watch movies and a really nice food court and, um, neat little location. And Riley saw her one day and, you know, being a kid, he, the cheesiest pickup pickup line in the world, but it worked. Um, Gigi said it didn't work. She thought it was horrible, but, um, <laughs> he walked up to her and, said, excuse me, I lost my number. Can I have yours? And handed her his phone. <laughs> and she gave, she laughed at him and gave him her number. And then they, they just kind of, she kept telling him, no, no, I can't, you know, I don't want to date a, a Marine and so on and so forth. And then he caught her one day when she was on lunch and said, I know you're on break, so come have lunch with me. And that kind of started it. And they were, uh, they were together ever since. That's great. I love that story. Was, that is, that is an awesome a, pickup line. <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, it's the cutest little story and how it worked out. And it's like, that is just fantastic. Yeah. It makes me smile. Yeah, I'm smiling right now as we're, we're having this conversation. That was uh, That's a great pickup line. Props to Riley. <laughs> oh. oh, man. Well, Jim, just one final question for you. Um, is there anything else that you want uh, to talk about or that you think is being missed in the media coverage of the Afghanistan withdrawal or the, the airport attack that our listeners should keep in mind uh, with the one-year anniversary? There's a few things that, that keep rattling through my head, and it's been a rough couple weeks, and I don't, you know, I don't know why. I'm pretty solid and pretty strong, but these last two weeks have really, the emotions are different, um, and I can't pinpoint exactly what it is. I received, a, I don't even know where I found it yesterday. Somebody sent me a letter from an Afghani civilian. I posted it to my Facebook page. Uh, and he's talking about the situation right before the explosion 
that he met this he met a marine and he was talking to him at two thirty in the afternoon. He was exhausted and dehydrated, and he met a marine and his name is McCollum, and he said you know handing water to women and children and talked to him for a while and went to try to see if he could help get him through. Um, but that letter last night just absolutely floored me. Like, holy cow. You know, I'm proud of my kid. I knew what he was doing. All reports, you know, that I've gotten up to the time of his death, he was doing exactly what he needed to do. But to get and receive a letter from somebody that I don't know, that that it, it explains exactly who Riley was in, you know, four short paragraphs. Just a kind, giving, caring person, and he was there to do a job, and he was doing it. And all 13 of those kids in that whole unit, Ghost Company, if I could ask the whole world to remember anything, it's remember the sacrifice that they made and that they did a hell of a job for people they didn't even know, people that probably didn't really like them, but they did it, and they got the, they got more people through the Abbey Gate than anybody else uh, while they were there. Um, just selfless. Um, you always think of Marines and fighting and war and battle and, and all that, but these kids... They're trained to be Marines. They're trained to fight. But they did a humanitarian mission above and beyond anything you could expect from anybody. Um, absolutely, absolutely wonderful. Um, and my biggest thing is for me and for a lot of families is just remember them. Don't forget them. And for the rest of my life, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure, you know, those kids are remembered and appreciated. And there's a lot of people that are doing that. So I'm, uh, I'm very grateful. Absolutely. Jim, we will never forget your son, Riley, as well as the other uh, service members that were killed in the airport attack last year. Thank you so much for joining us today to share your story, to tell us about Riley and his awesome pickup line. I can't wait to see more (laughs) pictures of your granddaughter. Thank you so much for joining us. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. And that'll do it for today's episode. Thank you for joining us this week for the Daily Signal Best of 2022 podcast series. If you have not done so already, please make sure you take the time to leave us a review and rating on Apple Podcasts and make sure you do so before the end of the year. Every time we receive a rating and review, that helps us reach even more listeners. And we love receiving your feedback. Thanks again for listening and making us a part of your Christmas season. Have a wonderful day, and we'll be back with you here tomorrow morning for the next edition of our Best of 2020 podcast series. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen, Samantha Asheris, and Jillian Richards. Sound design by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.